0: all kinds of excitement going on there. Scores! Roll the highlight reel, six to nothing flame.
1: Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers on
2: Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, we are underway this hour. Welcome to this hour of Flames Talk from the Scotia Bank Saddledome. Steinberg and Aaron Vickers of NHL.com, and welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save four hundred and fifty dollars on the Braun EV fifty nine twenty two gun safe now just fourteen fifty. Or explore the full line of safes at Calgary Lock and Safe. Com. Well, Thursday night, we get a solo lap for an NHL debut, and we get a solo lap from... The guy they call Solo, a solo lap for Solo, Ilya Solovyov makes his NHL debut Thursday against the St. Louis Blues. Recalled before this game, he uh, is set to replace Jordan Osterley in Calgary's lineup against St. Louis. Pretty cool to see. Uh, to see this, pretty cool to see an NHL debut that we weren't necessarily expecting coming into this game against the Blues.
3: As a man who loves puns, you saw how excited. Oh my I goodness! Got. You were out of your seat. <laughs> uh, did I? Did I actually
2: live? Oh yeah. Uh, your eyes lit up like it was Love Christmas. Love me a good
3: pun when you went solo for solo. I was ecstatic. And yeah, he was one of those training camp standouts that we talked about uh, all throughout camping. One of those kids that was going to be afforded an opportunity to make the team. I didn't think he was necessarily the clear-cut number six coming out of camp. And for me and for the Calgary Flames, it turns out it didn't make sense to have him be part of a platoon or part of a rotation where he's coming in and out of the lineup. He's still young enough where it's better to have him playing you know, 20, 25, 30 minutes a night at the AHL level than it is sitting in the press box at the NHL level. But lo and behold, Noel Erasmus anderson for another two games. Jordan Osterley, who I thought seized that number six spot alongside competition with Dennis Gilbert. In my books, he didn't carry it forward from training camp into the regular season as much where it was a definitive, clear-cut sort of situation where he's the de facto number six So here we are. It's no secret the Calgary Flames had issues scoring goals. Soloviev isn't going to fix that, but the Calgary Flames need to do a better job of keeping the puck out of their net as well, and this is an opportunity for the kid to get a chance, get into the NHL lineup, make his NHL debut, play his first NHL game, and maybe help the Calgary Flames on the defensive end a little bit.
2: I I just think it's super cool. It's it's a neat opportunity, and he's, he's deserved it. He's been a really... It's been a really nice story for this team, and it's been very neat to see how his progression has gone over the last three years since being drafted by the Flames in 2020. And, look, every player is super excited, and it's all, always really neat to see players and and be around players just before they make their NHL debut. But uh, listen to Ilya from uh, Thursday morning. like This guy was beaming from ear to ear when uh, he spoke to us. Remember, English is second language, but uh, even even with um, English being his second language, it was very easy to understand how fired up this young man was.
4: How exciting is this to likely get into your first NHL game? <laughs> you know, like it's it's an important moment for everybody. Like right now, I'm a little bit worried. Like here is a lot of guys who try to make reviews with me, so it's first time for me. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm super excited. You know, like, yesterday when I know about it, like, the coach from Rockland told me, like, and, yeah, he can tell you yeah, I was super excited. Yeah, my family was excited, too. So it's a, it's a moment, like, uh, what the, each player waits, like, long, long time. So, yeah, and today it's big day for me. What was that phone call, like, with the family when he just sold me? Uh First, who know, it was my... My dad, because I call him, tell him, like, yeah, dad, uh, I call up in the NHL. He said, all right, it's good, the big news. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, like, uh, the first, the first uh, who know it, like, actually, it was my wife, because, like, I come at home and uh, saw, say this, and uh, she said, like, she just, like, wait, like, five seconds and uh, can't believe that it's happened, because, like, she stayed with me here two years, so and uh, we waited like a lot, so yeah. And today it's a big day, like not for me, it's a big day for my family. were there some tears? Yeah, it did What fans expect from you? Uh fans. have uh, no idea. Maybe, maybe like play well, like play for our team, like. Uh, it's important like my all my coaches and especially my dad every time tell me that uh, the logo on the chest more more than the your last name on the jersey so like yeah and I I will try to play for my team and uh, that's it like and do my best job Will you have where is your wife going to be there tonight who do you have who do you have in the stands at the Saddle tonight? tonight uh, my wife will be here uh, she's a mom and little brother in town too yeah so like it was it was super exciting too because like uh, my wife's mom and brother just came like came like uh, three days ago and uh, yeah I scored first goal in AHL in AHL and uh, call up in AHL first game so like yeah it's it's pretty good so yeah I I, ha- I have a support on the stairs and and what what have the coaches here told you about how to play your game uh, tonight? Uh, nothing special just uh, uh, Lambert tell me like uh, just play same like you play in AHL. Uh, simple, fast, quicker, like shoot the puck. And uh, that's a key. That's a key, like box shots, honestly, yeah, like stay in front. So it's, it's pretty similar.
2: That is Ilya Silovia. That's a That, that, that smile uh, permeates through your speakers, eh? Like it's, it's oh, pretty yeah. clear how fired up this young man is to make his NHL debut against the Blues.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And he'll be just the fourth, seventh rounder from 2020 to make his NHL debut. Um Devin Levi leads the class. I think he's got 10 NHL starts, and from there you don't get too much activity. So for the Calgary Flames and Slovyov specifically to um, be able to stick to the development plan and continue to push and to continue to improve and to continue to work until you get to this position, it, it's really unique and. We talked all late last season from January onward about the impact that Jacob Peltier and his NHL debut and the youthful exuberance that he exudes helped the Calgary Flames and very similar for Matt Coronado when he joined the Flames late in the season from Harvard after his collegiate career came to an end and he signed his NHL entry-level deal. This is the same for me. And perhaps it's just because it's so easy to get behind a guy that was just vibrating with the opportunity of coming in and making his NHL debut, just radiating that energy. And I think it's just a really neat footnote, the fact that uh, his wife's mom and, and little brother are going to be here for the debut because it's such a quick turnaround. The fact that he has some extended family that's going to be here to witness his NHL debut is, is pretty cool as well.
2: I uh, and, and the fact that he – you mentioned him being a, a seventh-round draft pick. The fact that he's getting into a game, like he's playing an NHL game, that that's an absolute win for any yep. – The fact that Solovyov as a seventh-round pick, has turned into an everyday professional hockey player in an NHL organization, he is an everyday American leaguer, The fact that he has turned into that as a 205th overall pick, he has so far exceeded what you're supposed to do as a seventh-round draft pick. And I know that every scouting director, Todd Button will tell you the same way anybody else will, that, oh, we expect all of our picks to play in the NHL, but we all know that it doesn't work like that, and very rarely do all your picks play in the NHL. And the odds just get incrementally and sometimes exponentially lower as you go down the rounds and so when Matthew Phillips made his NHL debut he far exceeded what most sixth-rounders are supposed to do. And what Ilya is going to do against the Blues, he is exceeding what a seventh-round, what what expectations are for a seventh-rounder. Good for him. Now, I've, I've talked to enough people in the organization, I've talked to enough people who know far more about prospects than I do. I talked to you who knows far more about prospects than I do as the... Um, as the uh, managing editor the, of FC Hockey. The purveyor and managing editor of FC Hockey, the, the greatest prospects website there is. And enough people have told me that if that's a more normal draft year if there's a if there's a you know, Canadian Hockey League playoffs, and if the season doesn't get cut short, and if we're not having a draft in October of 2020, Solovyov probably goes higher. But because he was out in Eastern Europe and he's a Belarusian guy and he went back to Belarus, and there were questions about when guys could come over and all that type of stuff, it was just such an uncertain landscape in October of 2020. He probably went lower than he would have in other years just based on who he is as a player. So,
3: they they got a pretty good player in the seventh round. Yeah, that's the other interesting wrinkle is the draft didn't happen until October. And honestly, your your odds of hitting on a seventh round pick is is sub-10%. So the fact that he's even getting in one is an organizational win. The fact that he looks like, at least at this stage, and he's still got to play his first NHL game and then one's got to turn into two to 10 to a career, but the fact that you have something out of the seventh round if you're the Calgary Flames, that's a feather in the cap of the scouting staff all day. And you know what? As much as he's excited about it, there's a scout in the Calgary Flames organization that banged the table and said, I want this guy here. This is I'm, I'm standing up. I want this player here. That scout's going to be rewarded as well. It's part of the journey. It's part of the beauty of the scouting industry. And for Ilya Soloviev, it's another step in the journey of his hockey career. What uh, What are like realistic expectations for a guy in his first uh,
2: NHL game? I mean... It's it's your first game. I don't really think there are a ton of expectations. Just cool. I'm excited to see his solo lap. Good for him uh, as Ilya Solovyov makes his NHL debut Thursday against the St. Louis Blues. Uh, great news on the uh, Adam Ruzicka front. The Flames really couldn't afford another long-term injury to a forward, a regular forward. And Razicka's been a pretty good forward for them to start the year. He sustained a shoulder injury Tuesday against the Rangers when Jimmy Vesey caught him with that very strange hit. I didn't love the hit. Um, I thought it was a a little unnecessary. I thought it was was definitely a boarding call. Um, I, I didn't love it. The good news is he's not going to be out long term. He took a little bit of morning skate here at the Dome on Thursday. Uh, he was a possibility for this game against the Blues. He will not play against St. Louis, but that means he's still very much in the mix with a couple of days' break to play against the Oilers at the Heritage Classic on Sunday and with. Pelche out with a long-term shoulder injury and Rooney out with a long-term shoulder injury. They just didn't need another forward to be out long-term this early in the season. So that's good news.
3: Well, and the fact that he's been one of their more productive players and he's and for my money, he's been really good for the Calgary flames. He's got two goals and four points in seven games. That two goals ties him for second. The four points ties him for third. He's playing 13, 28 a night, getting some special teams work on the power play. Like Calgary flames already without Pelche already without Rooney layering in and in another injury on top of this you have rasmus anderson suspended oliver shillington obviously isn't with the team as it stands right now like it it just seemed like a what's next scenario when uh when he went into the boards, and thankfully for Adam Rziszko, thankfully for the Calgary Flames, it's not as serious as it may be looked on initial contact, and, and that's good for the organization and the player.
2: He has had a really good, nice start to the season. I know there's plenty of people who are, are not big on uh, his consistency and all that type of stuff. Well, and that's but the biggest Red flag in his game is, is the consistency. consistency. But he's off to a nice start yep. to the year. He's he's, done, he's only been able to play in six games, but I'm with you. He's been one of their more consistent, effective forwards through six games. His challenge is always doing that on a more long-term basis. But, yeah, the fact that he's been one of their better forwards, has been one of their more productive forwards, and isn't going to be out long-term, um, I think is, is going to be a, a significant thing for them. We don't know what the lines are going to look like with the Blues. We talked a lot about this in the first hour of Flames Talk on this Thursday. The whole idea of Kadri, Huberdo, Lindholm on a line together has been getting a lot of buzz. We were all buzzing about it at morning skate here, and we don't know if that's going to be the case. The Flames held a full morning skate but did not run lines. But it feels like there's a potential for loading up their number one line with all three of those guys on it, Lindholm in the middle, maybe Kadri on the right, and obviously Huberdo on the left. I have been opposed to that, and I was opposed to that all of last year. I've changed my tune. I've changed my opinion. I think it's probably time to try something like that. So if they do do that against St. Louis, you can understand the reasoning.
3: Yeah, and if you look at the hard stats, they're not necessarily pretty for Nazem Kadri with one assist through seven games. The team worst, minus eight. But the underlying stats are, are pretty positive. He's and In terms of expected goals, he leads the Flames at 2.4. You look at uh, he's 94th percentile in with eight high-danger shots on goal. The NHL average is three. So again, he's in the top 6% in the NHL in, in that regard in terms of offensive zone time. Again, he's in the top 5% at 5-on-5. Five five. He's in the top 2% when you consider all strengths. Now, that's going to be bolstered quite a bit by the fact that he's on Calgary's first power play unit. But the fact of the matter remains is is some of the highest-paid players on the Calgary Flames haven't found a way to produce, whether it's puck luck, whether it's something else. And I'm in favor, not necessarily for the the balance of the season, not 70-plus games, but for one, three, five, ten games trying to spark your highest paid players, your most offensively gifted players by uniting them together, the alternative is you don't, and the same thing happens. You put them together, the same thing might happen where they're not as productive as you expect or want or, or should be. The fact of the matter remains you got to try something at this point because the Calgary Flames need goals. They've only scored more than two goals in a game twice this season. That's just not good enough.
2: Yeah, they, they, there's no doubt. They need to be a more offensively dynamic team here. And I'm not saying that it's going to work. I don't know if it's going to work or not. But what I am saying is that there is reason to give it a try because they – as, as – we've been talking about for a, a number of of probably you know more than a year now this team does not have superstars on it. This team is not a team blessed with the best players in the world and players that can take over games. That's not what this team is. What this team is is a team that's built far more on depth and on the potential ability to roll four lines and to come at you in waves. Well, you cannot have a team that comes at you in waves if they're just like the little splish splashes on your ankles. And that's <laughs> kind of what, what we've been seeing offensively at times for this team, especially from a production standpoint. And when that big wave, when you see those white tips coming in on the horizon, if, if that big wave is Huberdo and, um, and, and Cadre, and then they're not producing, and that wave, I'm taking this analogy way too far, but it kind of peters out. Row your, your boat ashore, Pat. <laughs> you just, my point is, you need your top of the depth chart guys to carry their production weight and Over the last three, four games, they have not kadri has got one point all year. Huberto's gone pointless in his last three games. And so if this can get them going, maybe you do put them together for three or four. And having Huberto going, keep him with Lindholm, and then put somebody else back on that side. And then you can put Kadri back onto a line where he's feeling better, and then maybe he can start driving a line again. And then all of a sudden, you're talking about depth maybe being the strength of this team again. It hasn't been for seven games the way they'd like it to be, because they're not getting what they need from the top of the depth chart.
3: Yeah, I haven't seen near enough chemistry out of the, uh, again, quote-unquote top six, whether it's Jonathan Huberto, Nazim Kadri, even Lindholm is where he fits, where I think he's been productive and he's been good enough, but there, I just haven't seen players mesh from a chemistry perspective, like we've seen Manjipani, Backlund, Coleman. And then even to a lesser degree, for myself anyway, um, when we saw Sharon Govich centering the fourth line with Dewar and Greer, we just haven't seen a combination amongst top six forwards for the Calgary Flames. that makes me go, oh yeah, you found something, you need to keep it. So the cycle continues, and here you go, potentially anyways, loading up the top line. They do, at some
2: point, they're going to need to settle on some lines that are a little more um, little more consistent, but we're still early, and that's very much, clearly very much a work in progress for this team. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, we talk about the cool night for Ilya Solovyov makes his NHL debut. Well, it's a cool night for Jake Neighbors, too. The Airdrie product, who is a Calgary Buffaloes product. He played Airdrie Extreme. Jake Neighbors gets to play at an NHL game for the first time in this building. Uh, he's a member of the St. Louis Blues. We had him on during the off season, uh, so we'll call him a, a friend of Flames talk. Jake Neighbors. Um, it's cool to see. Uh, it's cool to see him get an opportunity to play here at the Scotia Bank Saddledome. Now we found out that he was an Oilers fan growing up, so there is that knock on him. But uh, he's he's from Southern Alberta. He's got a ton of family coming in from Sask to watch him here. It's pretty neat for Jake as well. I think it's. Cool. Calgary product getting to play at the Dome for the first time.
3: Yeah, and he held court with the media a little bit this morning. It was There wasn't anything that made me go, huh, in terms of this is not just pure entertainment value. And he's got, I think, over 30 family members you mentioned, some coming from Saskatchewan, into the game tonight. And for a guy that's played in the Saddle Dome a fair bit, whether it be at the junior level as a member of the Edmonton Oilers Kings or what have you, this is still a big night for Jake Neighbors. And as you mentioned, you run through the, the minor hockey lineage he has here in Calgary. It's, it's good to see him get his Saddle Dome debut as an NHLer.
2: Let's uh, hear from Jake. He spoke a little bit. You mentioned he held court in the Blues locker room Thursday morning. Here's Calgary product or Airdrie product. Let's be very, very accurate. Uh, here's uh, Southern Alberta product. Jake Neighbors, as uh, he spoke inside the Blues locker room ahead of his first NHL game at the Dome. They have
1: uh, coming to the game tonight. A lot of people. I think I got like 34 people coming in, a lot of family from Saskatchewan and uh, aunts, uncles, uh, my nan my papa. So got a lot of people coming tonight. So Any of them not seeing you play? Anybody making their first to see you? Uh, a lot of them, it's actually their first NHL game ever. So, yeah, it'll be pretty cool for a lot of them to be here and obviously see me play. So um, they watch me in junior here and there. Obviously, we go to Saskatchewan and play. That's where they're all from. But, um, yeah, a lot of them haven't even been to an NHL game. So it'll be pretty cool have or have not I don't think they have no It'll be their first to see yeah yeah my aunts and uncles too so a lot of them haven't seen NHL games so will we be able to see them yeah they'll probably have some oil Kings jerseys some blue jerseys on so they'll probably be pretty decked out yeah that's yeah, yeah. Uh, from Saskatchewan they drive yeah it's about eight hours so I think my my aunt and uncle and aunt and papa left at like 3 30 this morning just to make sure with the roads and everything so yeah we talked earlier, and you said you used to do, like, intermissions on the ice here. Like, how old were you for that? Yeah, I actually, I did one when I was probably, like, 14, actually. And then um, I think I skated a couple times here as a young kid, too. I couldn't pinpoint an age. But, um, but yeah, lots of memories of this building, for sure. Timbits, bits, like, just doing first intermission, little scrimmage game? Yeah, stuff like that. Or um, when I was in Midget, I'd, I was just at a game... Being a fan like watching and um, they selected me and my buddy to do like one of the intermission challenges on the ice so we did that when I was like I probably was 14-15 I think so yeah. What was the event is it like stand at center and shoot it through a little hole and that was he had to shoot a puck from the blue the red and the far blue just into the net so I was we were both hockey players so it was kind of simple. Uh, three because you kind of have to. You not know. Four actually yeah I missed I missed center ice once so yeah.
2: That's not very
3: impressive. I love how he
1: You're was
2: 14, just, 15 year old hockey, high end hockey player. You can't even hit all four, all three of your shots
3: playing, perfectly. Playing AAA, he was beating himself up over the fact that he only went seventy five percent missing from center ice. Come on, uh, you
2: know. I, I Jake neighbors has a goal so far uh, in his uh, first full season in St. Louis. Uh, I know we talked to him in the summertime on Flames Talk, and and you know he really likes the way things are progressing. Really likes the way that uh, he, his game is progressing. Obviously, was such a huge part of that Edmonton Oil Kings team and not just his points great his production great but you know you talk to anybody in terms of just how important he was off the ice and the top type of leader he is Uh, there's a lot of lot of big Jake Neighbors fans out there in the Blues organization and, and just period
3: He was really good for Canada, too, at the World Championship. I don't know if you know this, Pat, but I actually got the opportunity to attend. And Jake started as As the 13th or 14th forward and ended up working his way up the lineup. I think he had five points in 10 games for Canada. On route to a gold medal, so a little summer hardware as well.
2: Yep, and uh, yeah, good for him. That was also a, a really cool experience for him. So, neat to see Jake Dabers. He'll be on the Saddledome Ice on this uh, Thursday as well. Flames and Blues is the next game for Calgary the Heritage Classic on Sunday. We're all going to be up there the, the entire Flames talk. Family will be up there for the Heritage Classic. Vickers is going. Wes is going. I'm going. Derek's going. Mick's going. Everybody's going up for the Heritage Classic. Uh, I will will say that the, the outdoor games are pretty neat. They're pretty special, and uh, if you've never been to one, if you're on the fence... I really do encourage you to go because it's not going to be too cold. It's going to be below zero, but it's not going to be stupid cold. It's not going to be like the 2011 game at McMahon Stadium where they're just, they shouldn't have played it. In in hindsight, just don't play it. No, actually it was fun. Even, uh, it was just so stupid cold. Um, this one will be a whole lot better. The, the 2011 one was actually really, really neat and the coldness added to it, but, you do that once and then October wakes makes way more sense. I thought Regina was perfect in 2019. It was great. It started snowing just before puck drop. The visuals were awesome at mosaic and uh, at Commonwealth. It's going to be really neat as well. So if you're on the fence from a straight up fan standpoint, I really do encourage you to go because I think, you'll, I think you'll come
3: away really impressed with the entire experience. Absolutely. I went as a fan in 2003. It might have been the coldest I've ever been in my life at Commonwealth with the sun setting on the one side early, and they did the alumni game and the actual game on the same day, so you're up in the The original for, one. Yeah, like 2003 Oilers-Habs, uh, Jose Theodore with the, uh, with the toque. toque on the helmet. Yeah. Um, not going to be as cold this time. It'll be a lot more manageable. A couple hot chocolates, you'll be fine. I strongly encourage as well. It's one of those events that just to be a part of you know it's one of those things you'll remember
2: yeah that's and that's that's exactly the way i would put it also you know what is uh, uh a lot of fun to be a part of is the eric francis pizza pig out the 21st annual eric francis pizza pig out is coming up on thursday november 20 uh, november 20 no it's november 2nd uh thursday november 2nd at cowboys dance hall that is uh one week from today in fact as we're talking now uh the general admission tickets are sold out but vip tickets are still available and those are the the ones you're going to want to have because with the VIP tickets, you get to hang out with Joey Chestnut, who is going to be this year's celebrity guest. Joey Jaws Chestnut is uh, the number one ranked top competitive eater in the world. Uh, So come on down. The VIP tickets get you a couple of drink tickets, get you a meet and greet with Joey Chestnut. And once you are in Cowboys, it is all you can eat gluttony with some of the best pizzas in the city. Um, We are talking about hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of Pizzas in one place. It's outstanding. This event in the uh, 20 years so far has raised over $1 million for local charities, including Kids Sport Calgary. Congrats to Eric for doing it again. It's the 21st annual Eric Francis Pizza Pig Out. It's coming up Thursday, November 2nd. VIP tickets still available. Uh, visit sportsnet.ca 960 for more. One more time, sportsnet.ca 960 to grab yours before they're all gone
1: talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, continuing along on
2: this Thursday edition of Flames Talk, Pat Steinberg along with you from the Scotiabank Saddledome and it is time to go inside hockey. For Calgary Co-op, this hockey season support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits beer today and it's time to go inside hockey with our buddy jonathan davis from nhl network and nhl network radio on this wednesday and uh, jd appreciate the time thank you very much for waiting on hold i apologize for the technical difficulties there but thank you very much for being with us um and uh yeah the uh, pacific division is starting to maybe take a little bit of shape here as we move into the first few weeks of the season god it looks
0: it's an ugly shape
2: yeah, I'm not saying it was. A, I'm not saying it's a perfect circle. That's for sure. It's it's got some. Uh, oh God. It's got some. It's got some mediocrity to it so far, doesn't it?
0: Some. Got a lot of mediocrity to it. Uh, yeah, I mean it's. Uh, you know, look, outside of the defending Stanley Cup champions, and and what a fun game that was to cap off that 16 game night in the NHL. I mean, I felt bad for the Flyers who, who played their hearts out that night, but. I mean Vegas just continues to do all the right things, and Paul Cotter scoring that goal with the between the legs move, and that's not what I'm expecting from Paul Cotter, Um, and that's not good for the rest of the league if Vegas is getting goals like that from him. No, no no offense to Paul here, Um, but yeah, you know, look Vancouver, you know, is you know, look they start off that road trip nicely. They they win a game in Nashville in a game that they were outshot, uh, but you know got good goaltending and beat a team that you know for vancouver to contend for a playoff spot should win that game um and then you know you've got los angeles they are what their record says they are i mean they're what uh, they're three two and one i think but really that's three and three you know they're they're 500 um and they're either really good or they're really not so good so uh that's kind of like the that, that's my little capsule of of the pacific division
2: <laughs> well let's talk about the la kings it's kind of been a, a feast or famine start to the season for them
0: yeah i mean you know in their wins they score four or more and their losses they give up four or more and that's you know goaltending you know, i sound like a broken record no matter you know what interview radio spot i'm doing or tv spot i'm doing it's the same thing i mean it's it's what makes them playoff contenders and not cup contenders. Right, right. now, they just—you know, they they, they can't—you know—you—you you, know—you you can't use the Vegas model when you think that you know all, you know we can survive with you know a, a quote-unquote average goalie, let's say, in Aiden Hill, and that's what people were looking at. You know, LA went cheap on the goalies and and were and you know coming into the year hoping that. Cam Talbot or Phoenix Copley, or if it's David Riddick down the road, that one of them can catch fire. But you know, Copley, I, I made some nice saves in the Arizona game. Um, Talbot had some games where he's given up some leaky goals. Uh, it, it's just, uh, you know, LA pretty much has to score a minimum of four goals to win a game right now, and you know, it's no longer as Daryl Sutter used to say a three-two league. At least not for the LA Kings
2: what uh what we, we know that they've been playing without uh Victor Arvidson but maybe his injury a blessing in disguise
0: yeah you know I, I say that Pat because what it's allowed LA to do is it, it's it's expose them to Alexis Laferriere, who wouldn't have gotten this opportunity it's bumped up um, Arthur Kaliev into uh or at least you know definitely solidified him into a top nine role and he's playing with uh dano and uh trevor moore and that line has been successful but a kid like alexis lafriere who you know has played solidly with kevin fiala and um and pierre Luc dubois um so you know for arvidsson this is a guy in the final year of his deal and it was it was going to be a dilemma for and it still may be a dilemma for Los Angeles because you know it's still a big price tag that it would you know to re-sign him in the off season and with right. this injury and Arvison's had this problem years past you know it may maybe they don't re-sign him and if they do re-sign him maybe it's at a lesser price so that's why i say blessing in disguise Uh, with this Arvidsson injury because it's given two other kids an opportunity. The other thing with L.A., that give them credit. I mean, you know, scoring was something that we felt. uh, Kings fans and people who follow this team closely never felt offense would be a problem. But, you know, all 12 forwards have a goal right now. Uh, There's something to be said for that.
2: For sure. For sure. Let's let's move to Anaheim. Stay in SoCal as uh, Trevor Ziegler found himself stapled to the bench recently.
0: Yeah, in the Columbus game, and this was a game that was you know a, a tight game. It was a two-two game at the time, and here's here's Zegres, uh, You know, got a little careless with with the puck, and this is why Greg Cronin was brought in. Uh, this team has no illusions of challenging for you know a playoff spot realistically. If they do, it's a super bonus for them, but it's about development this year. And it's, it's about holding players accountable. And so here's Zegras in a tight game, not only, you know, staple to the bench in the third period, but staple to the bench in overtime. And Greg Cronin, you know, he said, look, if they're going to, if he's going to send a message, do it early, do it to your, you know, one of your, you, know, to your star player, get it across whatever, you know, you've got to play the way I want you to play. And so, uh kudos kudos to greg cronin for doing it and we'll see you know how zegris responds i mean it was only 12 minutes of ice time that he played um in that game but the critical thing was is that you know overtime came and cronin wasn't going to say okay i think you i'm sure you understand you you got the message cronin's like no i'm sorry this message is going to stick for the entire game what
2: uh what are we seeing with how anaheim is managing their most recent top pick leo carlson what are we seeing there
0: well i guess i know i mean the the term these days would be load management it's a guy that you know dealt with an injury during training camp and they brought him along slowly and you know for for hockey fans it was a bummer that here was columbus and it's adam fantilli and it could have been leo carlson and you know, number two versus number three. And I think we would have all liked to have seen it, but, you know, Pat Verbeek and, and, and the coaching staff said, yeah, we don't care about that. Uh, we've got to, you know, we're going to do things the way we want to do them. So uh, he sat, and that was two games in a row. And, um, Pat, I, you know, I, I apologize. I've been out running around. Um, so I didn't see if he's in the lineup tonight and I'm just trying to, to pull that up. And it looks, like hey, he is back in the lineup tonight.
4: Yes. Uh, yep. For,
0: for the Ducks, who who have a quick one nothing lead on those Boston Bruins at the end of one period. Uh, he was
2: actually he was actually in the starting lineup in uh, tonight's
0: game actually. And you know you got to love it when that superstar Ratko Gudis you know gets the lone <laughs> goal for the Ducks. Yeah. Who else yeah. Who else would have scored that goal? Of um, course. So yeah, look, I, you know this is why Cronin was brought <clears throat> was brought in and. It's the, you know, they really, they're really trying to shape the culture of this team and to really create an attitude and and hold players accountable. So, good on him. Uh, he is our
2: Pacific Division insider, Jonathan Davis from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio, joining us here on Flames Talk this hour. Let's uh, head out of uh, SoCal to Vancouver, where Canucks are off to a decent start and now have an opportunity to maybe bank some points in the early stages of the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, they've got a pretty soft schedule. You know, it's what? It's twice with Nashville. They've got, the, I think, the Blues in there as well. know they've got some games winnable games for them at least when you look you know you take a look at you know their opponents I mean those those are games again you want to win you should win not want to win I'm sorry you know that you should win and the way the Pacific Division is going right now with you know what's going on in your province uh bank those points now because it's going to get tougher down the road and and take advantage of the fact that you know the two teams that you at least one team that for sure you thought was going to make the playoffs and in my mind both Alberta teams were gonna, you know, I thought had realistic shots. You know, get these points now. And so, I um, like what we see with Vancouver. Uh, you know, both goalies are playing well. The interesting thing for me, Pat, you know, I was taking a look and you know Thatcher Demko or not that Casey DeSmith, you know, he's got a 938 save percentage. Um, he's given up six goals, three goals in each each of his starts. And so, you know. You know, you look at the three goals against in each game, but 9.38 save percentage is telling me he's, and giving up three goals, seeing a lot of rubber. And that's the, the save percentage. That's why save percentage to me is more important than goals against average.
2: For sure. Um you mentioned, um, I, th- I believe what you uh, the, the term you used was what's happening in our province. Yes, uh, three wins combined <laughs> for the Oilers and the Flames right now as we uh, have this conversation. Oh, and then they're playing in an NHL Hallmark event on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> but the, yes. uh, the Oilers are very much, much like the Flames, the Oilers are very much looking to find their way right
0: now. Oh, my God, yeah. They are. I mean, you know, that Minnesota game, You know, look. I I figured. I thought maybe you know that Jay Woodcroft, you know, told the guys after, you know, the game um, against Winnipeg, they lose in overtime after another lead that they blow. They have the two nothing lead, and Connor gets hurt, and you know, and you've got the situation with the Vander Kane, and maybe it's like guys, let's hit the reset button. First five games were not what we wanted. Uh, We're, you know, let's get let let's focus on, you know, how we want to play. We don't have Connor. We're not going to have Connor for a week or two, uh, let's try to develop some really good habits. And then, you know, they jump out on Minnesota. They've got three leads in that game. They finally score a third-period goal, and then the roof caved in again. Um, They're just finding ways to lose. And, you know, right now they've got, you know, Evander Kane has got to be a guy that steps up for this team. You know, this is where they need him, and, you know, he was so PO'd in that great interview with Scott Oak, one of the, you know the, the early, early candidate for interview of the year. Yeah, you know how to say how, how to say a lot without necessarily saying a lot. He did a really good job of it. Um, but this is his time. I mean, he was upset about his ice time. Go out and seize the moment right now, and that's yeah. that's what they need from Kane. But this team's got to be better defensively. I mean, it's a broken record. I mean, with, with Edmonton, and they need better goaltending. A broken record with Edmonton. Talk about wasting what's going on with Connor and Leon. Everything that they built up in the preseason with Jack Campbell and that microscopic goals against average has just absolutely fallen apart six games into the NHL season.
2: And uh, they've got uh, the Rangers and they've got the Stars uh, before and after Sunday's Heritage Classics. So that doesn't make things much easier on them with a couple of really good opponents. Let's finish in... uh, Let's finish in San Jose where the Sharks, we didn't expect them to be a great team this year. They have not been off to a great start, but boy, they are having trouble scoring uh, unlike most teams in the NHL are right now.
0: Yeah, one goal in all but one of their games, like one goal scored. uh, Yeah, uh, that's pretty hard. That's pretty hard to win games. And, 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 And nothing more would typify the Sharks' season when, you know, you had that night where Mackenzie Blackwood stopped 51-52, and that wasn't good enough for a win. Um, yeah, it's going to be challenging. It already is challenging for San Jose. And, uh, again, no, no illusions about what, you know, the goal was, it was to get themselves another high draft pick. That's the goal this year. But it's going to be a lot of heartache along the way if you can, you know, you can only score one. I mean, you know, finally Washington broke out last night. What they were at—they were averaging, I think, it was just over 1.0, around 1.2 goals a game, before that explosion last night. That—that that three different games within one game last night. Maybe, maybe, maybe that can happen for San Jose. Maybe it, it can start. It doesn't look like it's starting tonight against Tampa, where they're already finding themselves, you know, down two nothing in, or three nothing in that sure. game after 20. So it's another—it's another rough one for, for the San Jose Sharks.
2: Appreciate the time, as always, J.D. Great to catch up with you. Great to take a spin around the Pacific Division. We'll do it again next week, hey?
0: All right, bud. Be well. Enjoy Sunday.
2: I will. I'm looking forward to Sunday's outdoor game. Should be a lot of fun. Thank you, man. Take care. He's Jonathan Davis. He's our NHL Network uh, Pacific Division insider. NHL Network, NHL Network Radio joins us every week on Flames Talk, and he joins us on this Thursday inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Hello, fans! Calgary Co-op has refreshed its membership just for you. Now you can shop, save, and win with the new Calgary Co-op app download on the Apple Store and Google Play Store. As we start to wrap things up this hour on Flames Talk, my name is Pat Steinberg. Aaron Vickers has been with us as well uh, on Twitter and A.A. Vickers, our producers this hour, Taylor and Azam, thank you very much uh, as uh, we start to wrap things up on this Thursday. And this hour of Flames Talk has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV 5922 gun safe, now just 1450 or explore the full line of safes at CalgaryLockandSafe.com.